Sega Bibles this morning <coughs> and turn to Luke, <coughs> Luke chapter 2 this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verse <coughs> 25 and then we'll open with a word of, word of prayer. Luke 2, verse 25 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Let's commit our time to the Lord. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that we are able to be here this morning. We thank you for the service we've already had this morning. We pray now as we uh, once again come around your word that you would uh, teach us, instruct us through your word. <clears throat> I pray, Lord, that we would come with hearts that are prepared to receive uh, from you. That, Lord, you would uh, bless us and teach us through your word now. Lord, empower me through the Spirit, give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that it would be your words and your thoughts, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, of course, last Sunday morning, we started looking at uh, this section here in Luke chapter 2, um, beginning there in verse 21 and onwards, uh, and we, we saw that Luke records for us here some of the events that take place in the months after Christ's birth, and so his early months here on earth. And we saw that he was taken by his uh, earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, taken down to, oh, up, sorry, to Jerusalem after the days of purification. And we said it was about 40 days, so he's 40 days old. They took him up to the temple to offer sacrifice unto the Lord and to present him there in accordance with the law. And while they were there in the temple, they were met by two godly old saints, Simeon and Anna. And we started to look at the first of these last week, this man, Simeon. And we focused on, in particular, his godly character. In verse 25, we saw that he was a just and devout man. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. And so we talked about how these two words make it clear to us that he had a, a right relationship with God, which was evident in his walk before his fellow man okay just talking about the fact that he lived a morally upright life the the devout speaking about the fact that he had this right relationship with god and so he walked with the lord we also saw in verse 25 that he was waiting says at the end of verse 25 they're waiting for the consolation of israel so he was one of those jews who was waiting patiently and expectantly for the coming of the messiah he he knew the Old Testament prophecies. He knew that they were about to be fulfilled. And so he was watching, he was waiting for the Messiah to come. And then finally, we saw that he was taught and led by the Spirit. It says at the end of verse 25 there, And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. And so we saw that he was taught and led by the Spirit. The Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Messiah before he died. He would see the Messiah with his own eyes. And the Spirit then led him to be in the temple at the right moment, the precise moment when Mary and Joseph came we saw Simeon take the baby Jesus in his arms and then he offered praise unto God. And that was basically where we finished last Sunday. And this morning now we want to consider his words. 
Simeon's words of praise and then also his words of prophecy. And, and both of them reveal to us some wonderful truths concerning the Messiah and also reveal to us a wonderful understanding that Simeon had of these things. And so notice firstly with me this morning, we see his words of praise. His words of praise. Look there in verse 28. It says, Then took he up him, sorry, then took he up, he him up in his arms, and blessed God, and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. Now Simeon entered the temple that day, and he saw Mary and Joseph holding this baby boy, the baby Jesus. Simeon immediately knew that this one was the Messiah. Now we're not told how he knew, but it's it's obvious to us that it was through the Spirit, wasn't it? The Spirit revealed to him that this was the one he'd be waiting for. This was the Messiah. And so Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and he breaks forth in praise. In verse 28 it says he blessed God. He blessed God or he praised God. And he begins this praise by thanking God for keeping his words to him personally. You see in verse 29, he says, Lord, now let us, thy ser- let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He begins by praising God for keeping his words to him. God had promised that he would see the Messiah before he died. And Simeon now is satisfied. He's satisfied having seen the Messiah for himself, seen God keep his word to him. Simeon is satisfied and ready to depart from this world and he has peace in his heart. And that peace is there because he knows the one he holds in his arms is the Lord's salvation. That's what he says there in verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He's ready to depart in peace because he's seen the salvation of the Lord. And then we see that Simeon now, in the verses that follow, He demonstrates a remarkable understanding of Christ's work of salvation. In verse 31, we see that he understood that this work of salvation was something that God had planned before the beginning of time itself. In verse 31, it says, Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Simeon declares, he says, Which thou hast prepared. And he's talking about the salvation, okay, at the end of verse 30 there, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared. Simeon says God prepared this, God planned this salvation in eternity past, before the beginning, before creation. God had planned salvation. And Simeon, he understood this. He understood this truth, and it's a, a truth that Peter declares in First Peter chapter 1. Just turn over there with me, First Peter 1. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 19 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, was manifest in these last times for you. Verse 20 says, who, was, who verily was foreordained. 
before the foundation of the world. God had planned salvation before the foundation of the world. And Simeon, he understood this truth. He understood the fact that God had planned this from before the very very beginning. And in the second half of verse 31, we see that he also understood that not only had God planned this before the very beginning, but that also God had planned this for all people. He says there in verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Simeon says God prepared this salvation before the face of all people or in the sight of all people. On this phrase, one commentator wrote this. He said here, salvation is represented under the notion of a feast, which God himself has provided for the whole world and to partake of which he has invited the na- all the nations of the earth. See, it's a wonderful image, isn't it? God has laid salvation out before all people, in the sight of all people, and he's invited all people to come and partake of that salvation. You see, Simeon, he understood something that many of the Jews didn't. He understood that salvation wasn't just for them. It's a remarkable thing, isn't it? He understood it wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for all people. You know, this statement on its own is remarkable. But then Simeon continues in verse 32 to declare the work of salvation, the the Messiah's work in regards to both the Gentiles and the Jews. He goes on in verse 32. He says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And so not only does he say it's for all people, but now he actually goes to define it, if you like, in relation to the Gentiles and in relation to the Jews. Simeon declares firstly that for the Gentiles, salvation is light. He says a light to lighten the Gentiles. Now a couple of weeks ago in John chapter 1, we talked about the fact that Christ is the light of the world. He is the light for all people. And that is true. But you know, the Gentiles in particular were in darkness. The Gentiles in particular were ignorant of God, ignorant of who he was and, and what he is like, ignorant of his love, his holiness, ignorant of his law. You know, Paul, he expresses this same truth in Ephesians. Turn over there with me. Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2 verse 11 it says wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world Paul speaks about the ignorance that the Gentiles had. And we're Gentiles. The ignorance that we had. Paul describes Gentiles as being strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, having no hope without God. It's this ignorance of God and this lack of hope that Simeon's referring to here. The commentator Butler writes this in regards to the Gentiles. He says, They did not have the scriptures. Their wisest men were totally ignorant of the true God and of the gospel. But when Christ came, he gave light 
to the Gentiles. That's what Simeon is declaring here. That Christ, this one he held in his arms, he understood that he was the Savior who had come to bring light unto us, the Gentiles. Bringing us into a true knowledge of God and a true knowledge of his holiness and his love. Bringing us to understand the joy and the happiness and the peace that comes from having a relationship with him. You know, Simeon understood this wonderful truth. He also understood that in relation to the Jews, Christ was the glory of Israel. Go back there, Luke chapter 2, verse 32. It says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. He says the Messiah and his work is the glory of Israel. Butler writes this, Israel had lost its glory as a nation and was under the heavy arm of Rome when Christ came to earth. But Christ is the one who will restore that glory. Now it's true, Christ gives Israel their greatest glory, doesn't he? Their greatest glory. <clears throat> you know, Israel is a name that's upon the lips of many around the world, and it's upon their lips, why? Because of the Messiah. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 87 verse 3, the psalmist writes, Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. Glorious things are spoken of thee. Why are glorious things spoken about the city of God? Because of Christ, the Messiah, and his work. Hendrickson notes this. He says, When we associate glory with Israel... We are, we are reminded especially of this unprecedented honor bestowed upon it. God selected it to bring forth the Christ according to his human nature. And Christ is the light of the world. That more than anything else was Israel's glory. You see, the Messiah and his work of salvation is Israel's greatest glory. That God would choose them as a nation to be the ones through whom the Savior of the world came. That is Israel's glory. And so Simeon, he understood this, and he praises God for these wonderful truths. That Christ came for all people, not just the Jews. That Christ is the glory of Israel, and he is a light to lighten the Gentiles. You know, Simeon is praising God here. Mary and Joseph, they've stood by and they've listened intently. To all that he said, look in verse 33. It says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken of him. They'd stood by and listened, and they marveled at what they heard. They marveled at what he was saying. Now, they'd heard marvelous things before this, hadn't they, concerning the baby Jesus. I mean, the angel Gabriel in chapter 1 had come and announced wonderful, glorious things unto them personally. And then the shepherds had come to Bethlehem with the wonderful news that they'd heard from the angels. And so they'd heard wonderful things before this, but this was yet another declaration of praise, and it yet again revealed wonderful truths concerning Jesus and his work. And so they were left marveling at these words of praise under God. And now we find that Simeon, he turns his attention to them. And he addresses them directly now and he blesses them with some words of prophecy. That's what I want us to consider secondly now, his words of prophecy. Look in verse 34. It says, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, 
This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own, own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Here we see Simeon declare a number of things concerning Christ. He prophesies as he blesses them with these words. We see, first of all, that he declares that Christ is the stone. Christ the stone, in verse 34, he says, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. In this first prophetic statement, we see Simeon speak of the divisive nature of Christ's work here on earth. Commentator Henriksen put it like this. He said, in substance, he told her that her child would become the great divider. Not, however, that events would simply turn out that way, but that in God's plan it had been so decided. Literally what he said was, mark well, this child is set for the falling and rising of many in Israel. You see, Simeon understood that Christ's work here on earth would cause division among the Jews. Some would rise in faith. Others would stumble and fall in unbelief. And what Simeon is referring to here is the Old Testament truth that Christ is the chief cornerstone. You see, although the word stone is not actually used here, the word set is. Okay, He says there in verse 34, Behold, this child is set. For the fall and rising again of many in Israel. That word set means to place, to be laid down, okay, to be set down. And it's a, a word used in reference to laying a stone, a cornerstone. You see, Christ is the stone set down, laid down. And as that stone, he would be a stumbling block to some, but to others, he would be the foundation of faith. You see, Simeon has in mind the prophecy of the Old Testament prophecy like Isaiah chapter 8. Let's turn there. In Isaiah 8 verse 13, it says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In Isaiah here, we see this idea of Christ being a sanctuary for some, but a stumbling block, a rock of offense for others. Isaiah 28 also declares this. Let's turn over there quickly. Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah 28 verse 16 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Here we see Isaiah again prophesying this idea that Christ is the foundation stone, the cornerstone. And this is what Simeon here is referring to. This is what he has in mind when he talks about Christ being set 
and for some rising and others falling at Christ. You know, Peter would later expound upon this same point. Turn to 1 Peter 2 with me. In 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2 and verse 6. It says, Wherefore also is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Peter here expounds upon this same idea that Christ is the fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies. He is the chief cornerstone. Some will stumble, others will, will rise in faith. You see, what we see once again is that Simeon, he had a remarkable understanding, didn't he? He had a remarkable understanding of Christ's ministry here on earth. He understood that many of the Jews would stumble in unbelief at the cross. They would stumble in unbelief for the fact that Christ, the Messiah, had not come as a conquering king, but instead as the Savior. Many would stumble and fall, but at the same time, many would rise in faith. One commentator wrote this, He was a stumbling stone, a rock of offense to both houses of Israel, so he was set for the fall of many in Israel. But on the other hand, down through the centuries, thousands upon thousands have turned to him. Indeed, the prophecy has been fulfilled, hasn't it? Many of the Jews did stumble and fall at Christ, but by the same token, thousands have risen in faith over the centuries. And thousands will in the future. We see secondly now that Simeon also declares not only is Christ a stone, but he also says that he is a sign. Verse 34 again, he says, And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. He says that Christ is a sign. The word sign here means mark or indication, a token. It's, it's proof of evidence of claims. It's to prove that something is true. It's a Greek word that is often translated miracle throughout the New Testament. And you know, this was always the purpose of miracles, wasn't it? They were signs. They were evidence. They were revelation of truth. And throughout Christ's ministry here on earth, the Jews, they continually demanded that he give them a sign, didn't they? They kept saying, give us a sign to prove that you are who you claim to be. Simeon here, he tells us that Christ himself is the greatest sign of them all. The greatest miracle. He came to earth to reveal unto us the Father. He came to earth to reveal unto us the Father's love, grace and mercy. The way of salvation, he was a sign unto all. Commentator Gill writes this, Christ is the sign of God's everlasting love to his people. The great proof, evidence and demonstration of it. And he is set up in the gospel as an ensign of the people to look at and gather to for comfort, peace, righteousness, salvation and eternal life. You see, Christ is the sign of God's everlasting love to not only the Jews, but also to all people. And Simeon, he prophesied of this. He understood this truth. 
he understood that this one he held in his arms was indeed God's sign. His revelation of himself, his revelation of his love. Christ is the token, the evidence, the proof that God loves us. You know, Simeon, he also saw that this sign would be rejected, that Christ would suffer rejection. Look at the end of verse 34 again. It says, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Simeon says that as a sign, Christ was going to be spoken against. And we know that Simeon's words were proved true, don't we? Right throughout Christ's ministry here on earth, he was spoken against. He was rejected by men. Now we see examples of this right throughout the Gospels, but let's just turn to Luke, uh, John, sorry, John chapter 6. Let's look at a couple examples here. John 6. In John 6, <clears throat> verse 40, it says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They murmured against him. In chapter 8 of the same book, chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 13. Another example, it says, <clears throat> verse 12, we'll start there, John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. They called him a liar. You see, all throughout Christ's ministry, I mean, we only looked at two examples. But all throughout his ministry, he was rejected. He was spoken against, called a liar by men. And of course, the greatest rejection was seen as they cried out, Crucify him. Crucify him. Now, one commentator wrote this, Simeon tells of the great rejection of Christ and of the great folly of the rejection. No one has been so vilified as Jesus Christ. It only took about three years of public ministry before the people were crying, crucify him, even though all he ever did was good. Now, Christ came as a sign to reveal unto us the Father, reveal unto us the Father's love, and yet he was spoken against, he was rejected by men. And indeed, he's still being spoken against today, isn't he? He's still being rejected today. Now, at the end of verse 35, Simeon declares that how men respond to the sign reveals the thoughts of their hearts. Look at verse 35. It says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. If you connect the end of verse 34 with the end of verse 35, it says, And for a sign thou shalt, which shall be spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Take out the little bit in the middle there in parenthesis. Put the two together. The idea is that how men respond to the sign will reveal the thoughts of their hearts. Christ's ministry here on earth will reveal men for what they truly were. You know, their acceptance or rejection of the sign would reveal their hearts. And again, this prophecy was revealed true, wasn't it? You know, the religious leaders, they pretended to be righteous, pretended to be holy. They claimed they were looking for the Messiah. And Pastor Davies spoke about that this morning. You know, they claimed they were looking for the Messiah. And yet when the Messiah came, they rejected Christ. They rejected the sign. And in doing so, they showed what was in their hearts, didn't they? They revealed their hearts. 
You know, by the same token, others showed the sincerity of their hearts. When they received Christ, when they believed the sign in faith, they believed who he claimed to be the eternal Son of God sent by the Father. And even today, man's response, what they say concerning the sign, what they believe concerning the sign, concerning Christ, reveals their heart, doesn't it? You know, the question, what think ye of Christ, what believe ye concerning Christ, is still the most important question to ask of anyone today. First John chapter 4, just turn over there. <clears throat> this is the question we all must answer. It reveals what's really in our hearts. First John 4, verse 1, says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already it is in the world. What men confess concerning Christ reveals their heart, doesn't it? If they believe that Jesus Christ is indeed the eternal Son of God, sent from heaven to be the Savior of all mankind, then they are indeed of God. But if we reject that truth, and many do, and even many churches, so-called churches, reject the truth that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, sent to earth to be the Savior of all mankind. And in doing so, rejecting Christ, they reveal their hearts. One commentator wrote this, Man, Men's views and decisions regarding Christ are a mirror in which the very thoughts of their hearts are seen. And that's what Simeon is declaring here. He is prophesying of this truth. Christ came as a sign, and that sign will reveal men's hearts. You know, Simeon here, he's prophesied of the fact that Christ is both a sign. He's prophesied of the fact that Christ is a sign. And then he lastly he speaks about the fact that Mary would experience pain and suffering at the rejection of the sign. Look again in verse 35. It says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. The last little bit of his prophecy is directed specifically at Mary. And he tells her that a sword shall pierce through her own soul also. The word sword here indicates a large, broad sword. And it's used as a symbol of intense pain, of frightful, piercing anguish. You see, Simeon prophesied that the rejection of Christ, that he spoke about in verse 34, being spoken against, that rejection of Christ would cause Mary great anguish as the mother of the Messiah. And indeed, throughout our Lord's ministry here on earth, Mary, no doubt, experienced more and more sorrow, more and more anguish as she watched Christ rejected and spoken against by men. But the greatest anguish came as she watched him hang on the cross and suffer and die for us. Go to John 19 quickly. John chapter 19. <clears throat> Here we see that Mary was there at the cross in John 19 verse 25. It says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother 
and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. From that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. Mary was there at the cross. Just as Simeon prophesied, she was there. She witnessed and she saw Christ suffer, bleed and die there on the cross. And she experienced great anguish as the mother of the Messiah. You know, Simeon, he, he is truly a remarkable character in the Word of God, isn't he? He's one we don't often think about. But he's a remarkable character. This godly man is led by the Spirit into the temple. He takes the baby Jesus in his arms and he expresses both praise and prophecy. And as he does so, he reveals remarkable truths concerning the Messiah. In his expression of praise, we see his understanding that Christ was sent to be the Savior of all mankind. A light to light in the Gentiles and the glory of the Jews. And in his prophecy, Simeon speaks of Christ as the stone and Christ as the sign. You know, as believers today, let's praise God that Christ is indeed the stone. He is the foundation of our faith. And Christ is the sign. He is the one that reveals to us the Father, the one that reveals the Father's love unto us. And let's praise God that he was sent to be the saviour of all mankind, not just the Jews. He came to bring light unto us, the Gentiles, who were lost in the darkness of sin. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for Simeon, this godly man. And with Lord, we thank you for his wonderful words of praise and his words of prophecy that reveal such wonderful, glorious truths concerning the Messiah and his work here on earth. We thank you so much, Lord, that salvation is not just for the Jews, it is for all people. And that, Lord, Christ is indeed the stone, the foundation of our faith. He is the sign, the miracle, the one who reveals to us you and your love. Lord, we thank you for these wonderful truths. And, Lord, I pray today, if there's anybody here who's not saved, that, Lord, today they would see you, that they would accept the sign. And that, Lord, they would not stumble at the stone in unbelief, but, Lord, believe in faith and be saved before it is eternally too late. Lord, bless as we close, as we depart from this place, where we give all glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name.